foreclosed when it was asked by native English speakers on the street. I know many words, but my mind just goes blank whenever I open my mouth and start having conversation with other people. My accent is so strong that people will not in any way understand what I'm trying to convey whatsoever. I keep making silly grammatical and pronunciation mistakes. How could I possibly have enough courage to speak to other people again, ever? Well, these are the things that many of us keep saying to ourselves, and to some extent, inadvertently holding us back. What does being fluent mean? How can we achieve that goal? Does confidence play a role here? To answer these questions, we have to do some research, read extensively, and constantly expose ourselves to English. A lot of work, right? I have been learning English since I was in third grade, like most of you guys, Vietnamese students here. I have also been an English tutor for more than two years, doing some stuff related to the English language itself, but still struggling from time to time. However, I suppose that's what makes the process worthwhile and fun at the same time. In this episode, we're going to dive deeper into quite an awful lot of things that contribute to a fluent English speaker. But first, let me do the introduction as usual. This is a slide series. I am Lee Normandis. Welcome to our seventh episode, Speaking to Express. A quick thank you to our podcast producers for making this series possible, and your unflagging support for the slide series. If you want to continue to watch high-quality episodes like this, please do not hesitate to shower us with likes and comments and subscribe to our channels. You can now follow us on YouTube and Anchor for more interesting videos. Best regards, Lee Normandis. Fundamental understanding. Well, as someone who is mad keen on English, the meaning of words has always interested me, and fluency is a particular case in point. As far as I can tell, language learners often set themselves the goal of becoming fluent in a language. But what does being fluent in language actually mean? If we look in the Longman Dictionary of Contemporary English, we see that fluent means able to speak a language very well. Quite a vague, right? Fluent speech or fluent writing is described as smooth and confident with no mistakes. In general, fluency is most often associated with spoken language. According to the British Council, fluency in a language means speaking easily, reasonably quickly, and without having to stop or pause a lot. Fluency is like the flow and efficiency with which you express your ideas, particularly when speaking. A few grammatical mistakes may appear here and there in the explanation, but it should be delivered in a way that is easy to understand and shows how comfortable you are with the language. In an academic or even professional setting, this is one of the skills to focus on for an oral presentation or debate. The way you explain your topic or prove your point, smooth and clear and concise without too many pauses or hesitations, is as important as the content of your presentation. Outside of the classroom, fluency can help you socialize with native English speakers and avoid misunderstandings. Now, don't confuse fluency with accuracy. Here's some important points about the latter. Why fluency in a language means speaking easily, reasonably quickly, and without having to stop or pause a lot. Accuracy demonstrates your ability to use the necessary vocabulary, grammar, and punctuation correctly, such as verb forms, past tense, present tense, and so on. Articles like a, an, the, and prepositions like in, on, from, at, etc. 
This skill is particularly important for written assignments at university, such as essays and lab reports. It is also an absolute necessity in the workplace, where an email or report that is riddled with grammar or punctuation mistakes may be viewed as unprofessional. Aside from taking a speaking course, one very easy way to improve your accuracy in English is to read any type of English material on a daily basis. Everything works fine, whether it's a novel. A non-fiction book, a newspaper, or magazine. Besides this, reading is an easy yet effective way for you to observe the nuances of English grammar and punctuation. So, which situation applies to you, and what are you looking for to accomplish? Of course, to be a well-rounded speaker of English, it is important to have a good grasp of both fluency and accuracy. But this is a learning journey that takes time and dedication—a bumpy road ahead of you, that's for sure. Possible methods. Becoming fluent in language can take many years and a great deal of work, but here's some tips to help you sound as natural as possible in speaking exams. I highly recommend you guys combine multiple methods to yield the most positive outcomes. Number one, use every opportunity in class to speak English. Speak to your classmates. Speak to teacher in English. The more English you speak, the easier you will find speaking. Number two, be confident about speaking in English. You do know a lot of English. Use your English and show the examiner what you know. Number three, be very clear about the message you want to communicate. That is your goal. Number four, don't worry about making mistakes. The important thing is to communicate what you want to say. Mistakes are fine as long as other people understand what you're trying to get at. Number five, practice at home with a speaking game, like speak for one minute without stopping about blah blah blah. Choose a topic, like video games, and talk in English for one minute about video games without stopping. Number six, use little expressions like uh, um, or are the fillers to fill the gaps while you're thinking about what to say. An important point I want to say about fillers is that sometimes they can make us appear less professional in our workplace, and actually they are often overused by a lot of people in order to avoid awkward silence or, you know, earn some time for themselves while they're thinking what to say next. So please be careful and aware of this when you communicate with other people in professional settings. And the last one, number seven, use communication strategies to make your English sound more natural. You can find these wonderful strategies in our very first episode, vocabulary and conversations. Check it out. Okay, so it's time to talk about myths. Well, there's one quote that I really love to tell you guys about. The most useful piece of learning for the uses of life is to unlearn what is untrue. With English, exactly like any other discipline, if we have incorrect beliefs, like myths, the road to mastery will inevitably be bumpy, long, arduous, boring, and will probably result in failure. For truly motivated learners, the hardest thing about success is not hard work, as most people assume, but I think rather the question of skillful methods, self-awareness, and as we will discuss today, unlearning the myths we've been taught our whole lives. And I think I am real lucky to find this article on real life English that is written by Justin. So 
here are some of the most common myths that we need to debunk as soon as possible. Myth number one: Fluent speakers don't make mistakes. There's a popular idea that fluency is a magical land of perfect grammar, native-like pronunciation, and unobstructed communication. The truth is that fluency is none of these. The truth is that few people, if any, including native speakers, speak with perfect grammar. And nearly 99.9% of people who learn English as a second language will always have some sort of accent from their native language, including me. Learn to accept this and be okay with it. You can work to smooth it out, but your accent is your cultural identity, and you should be proud of it. And this isn't a bad thing. Good language learners learn to communicate first, while at the same time as they learn grammar, and they work through their grammar and pronunciation problems on a parallel basis. Or after, mistakes will surely happen when you open your mouth. But this is the path to fluency. The baby doesn't learn to walk by crawling; she falls and falls a lot. Myth number two: Fluency comes when you learn on the grammar. Another popular misconception, which goes hand in hand with myth number one, is the idea that fluency is a distant reality that will come one day when you've learned enough English grammar. It's okay to expect fluency in the future and big advances in your grammar, and this is sure to happen with diligence and hard work. But you can start finding the courage to attempt small everyday pieces of fluency right now. Theory and practice should go hand in hand throughout the entire process. If you are not learning to use the grammar you learn now, you will probably forget it later. Successful learners are able to cultivate fluency from the very beginning in specific situations. If you only know how to introduce yourself, learn how to do this with confidence by doing it a lot, whenever, wherever, and with whoever you can. Learn basic survival English: how to say hello, how to say goodbye, and start thinking about every grammar lesson you learn as something you will apply the next day. This will be a big shift in your attitude that will help with everything else. Bits of fluency that will not go away. It's almost as if you are writing a script for a play that you will act in over and over again. Every situation has an opportunity for fluency, and the first thing you should focus on are everyday situations. Fluency is not just an abstract long-term plan, but a daily opportunity that you can cultivate. Myth number three: You need a certificate or external approval to be fluent. Well, fluency is not an external piece of paper, nor the approval of your friends or workmates. You are the only one who can decide if you are fluent. If you need these external validations for your own personal sense of fluency, you probably haven't developed the confidence, clarity, and courage to really be okay with your level. Receiving a piece of paper that shows you learned how to take a standardized test won't fix that. Only real-life use of language and contact with the culture can give you a sense of personal ownership, fluency over the language you are using. While these tests are great and useful for giving a certain integrity and balance to your process and measuring your progress in some sort of, you know, more technical areas, don't confuse the guidance tools for the essence of your own personal sense of where you are and what you need to do. 
There are plenty of people armed with a test score that gives them a sense of false confidence about the English level, while not knowing how to communicate spontaneously in a real-life cultural situation that calls for them to respond in the most human and personal ways. Myth number four: You need to visit an English-speaking country. Well, immersion in an English-speaking country definitely helps English learners. But you don't need immersion to get fluent. The benefit of immersion is that it gives you lots of opportunities to use a language. It often forces you to use a language, but you can give yourself those same opportunities without living in an English-speaking country. You can create your own English immersion course. Obviously, podcasts by natives help. You can also watch YouTube videos. You can listen to songs. You can listen to our podcasts, and you can find an English-speaking group on Facebook or other social networking sites. You can even DM strangers on Twitter and have a conversation with them. You don't need to travel to access native speakers. Myth number five: It's boring. I think lots of people believe that learning English is boring because of the way we teach it. We sit students in the classrooms and give lectures on grammar. That is boring. Choosing materials that aren't interesting is one of the most common mistakes that people make when learning English. But it doesn't have to be boring. Just choose interesting activities instead. The beauty of learning language or English is that you can actually learn about anything you want. Think of all the great artists, creators, and thinkers that worked in English. You have the opportunity to learn about any or all of them. If you are bored learning English, you are doing it wrong. Don't settle for boring English lessons or grammar exercises. Choose exercises and activities that interest you. Well, to my knowledge, these myths are super common and keep holding us back. So I really hope this can help you guys in your learning process. I am Leon Normandis, and you're listening to Slice Series. Stay tuned. Essential speaking topics. There's no doubt a myriad of speaking topics that we can talk about, but some of them are more common and thus more important than the others. In this episode, I'll give my right arm to introduce to all of our listeners the top five essential speaking topics that we language learners need to be confident and competent in talking about or discussing with our peers in class. Maybe. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. Topic one. Hobbies, interests, free time. So discussion points you can include like sports, reading, music, TV shows, and movies. Here are some questions: Do you enjoy playing sports? If so, what's your favorite sport to play? What do you enjoy doing in your free time? What was the last movie you watched at a cinema? Where's your favorite spot to listen to live music? Have you been to any concerts recently? Which one did you go to? If you were to travel to an island for three months, and you could only take three items, which items would you take along? Would you rather lay on the couch all day and listen to music, or go on a day-long hike? What entertains you the most? Books, movies, or music? Why? Topic two: food, beverages. Here are some discussion points you can include: grocery stores, cooking, restaurants. Here are some questions: Where's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite thing to buy at a grocery store? 
Do you enjoy cooking? What do you like to make? What's your favorite meal? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? What's your favorite food? Fruit or vegetable? Does any food make you sick? Are there foods that you hated as a kid but you like now? Are you allergic to any food? What do you think of American, Italian, Mexican, or Chinese food? Which one's your favorite? Topic three: Jobs. What are or what were your favorite subjects in school? You can use this to segue into a discussion about the future. What do you want to be when you grow up? What's your dream job? What are your parents' jobs? What's your current job? Do you want to be your own boss one day, or do you prefer working for others? What was your dream job as a kid? If you could switch to another job, which occupation would you choose? Do you prefer working with people or by yourself, and why? Topic four: Relationships. Do you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife? How long have you been together? What's your favorite thing about your boyfriend or girlfriend? Do you wanna get married someday? How old do you wanna be? Are you married? When did you get married? What's your wife's? What's your husband's? Or what's your girlfriend's? Or what's your boyfriend's job? What are some traits you look for in a potential partner? What would your ideal day night be? If you and your partner could travel anywhere, where would you go? Topic five: Travel. Here are some questions about the topic travel. Which country you want to visit? Would you rather go to America, Thailand, or France? You can replace these countries with other ones, of course. Do you prefer going to the beach, jungle, mountains, or city when you are on vacation? Would you rather travel with your parents, friends, or boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife? Do you prefer to go to hot or cold places? Would you rather see lions on a safari in Kenya or bears on a hike in Canada? If you could live in any other country for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Would you rather live on the beach or live in the mountains? Where do you plan on going for your next holiday? Who's the most interesting person you've met while traveling? Which country do you find terrifying and would never want to visit? Which European countries do you want to see the most? If you were super rich, where would you go on vacation? When you first learn a new language, you learn how to discuss the weather, name fruits and vegetables, and say things like "I like to eat cheese, but I don't like cheese on my hamburger." But as your vocabulary expands, it's beneficial to chat more. It is also effective and fun,、uh, having a study group and making progress together. Once you get past naming clothes, food, and understanding most of the grammar rules, it's super helpful to talk and become acquainted with the language. Whether you find an English-speaking partner online, practice with a friend, or use helpful language-speaking apps, this is a slide series. And I'm Leo Nomades, your host. Stay tuned. Summary. So it's time to wrap up today's episode. But before doing this, I want to say something here. Although linguists have not agreed upon a single universal definition of fluency, the prevailing thought is that language fluency is reached when a speaker can confidently, easily, and accurately express themselves in a language. 
Speed, pauses, repairs, proper expressions, and degree of understanding are some key elements of fluency. Gaps in vocabulary are possible, but a fluent speaker can easily guess the meaning from context or get a point across by explaining, rewarding, or describing the unfamiliar word. Fluency comes with practice. It is easier to talk, write, read, or listen when the topic is something we know and like. Fluency is not reached simultaneously or independently in each domain. I mean, skills in each area will grow incrementally, and it is important for students to work on developing each skill specifically. In addition to this, myths surrounding language fluency can be extremely detrimental to our progress if we believe in them and make them our learning principles. The crux of the whole issue in today's episode is this: as the English saying goes, "Practice makes perfect." If you want to do something really well, then you have to put in a lot of hard work, make mistakes, and learn something from them. Use Google Translate on your phone, speak to it in English, and see if Google can write perfectly what you're saying. And when you're practicing, don't think of yourself as a student. Think of yourself as someone who is using English because you are. If you make a mistake, keep going. Understand that very few people, even native speakers, speak English flawlessly, and we all make mistakes. If you get embarrassed or shy once you made a mistake, this is probably what people will notice, not the mistake itself. So keep going when you're speaking English. If you're keen on gaining a well-rounded understanding of mental health issues in our contemporary world, our next episode will be right up your street. I'm Leah Normandis, your host. Wish you all the best. Peace.